Hey everybody, welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me, I'm Father John. I'm the Executive Director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. And I'm here on a very noisy afternoon with my uh, partner in mission, Mary Guilfoyle. How are you, Mary? Father John, I'm great. I'm wondering if our listeners can hear the drums and the party goers outside. We drove into our offices today to record and we... Uh we drove smack dab into the uh, St. Patrick's Day Parade, which is a big deal here in Detroit. Yeah, so if, if you're not familiar with uh, our offices, we're in the heart of Detroit. And um, I think two weeks ago, we had semis driving by our windows. We were recording who were protesting uh, the uh, invasion of Ukraine, and that was a little loud. And today we have, we- I just saw... Uh, Tyrannosaurus rexus, who I had no idea it came is, from Ireland. Is it rexus or is it rexi? I don't know. Yeah, rexi, I guess. Um, so, yeah, so forgive the noise and uh, oh, we're going to try to do this and anyway. And our right? laughter. Um, um, I was greeted by clowns. <laughs> we're going to try to keep a straight face <laughs> here. <than> clowns. <laughs> All that to say, what's the topic we today, are Mary? To be here. Yeah, so today's topic is when our hopes are shattered, Father John. Ooh, that's going to be a good one. All right, well, let's pray, and we'll uh, we'll ask God's protection upon all the people in the parade at the same time, and that uh, somehow the noise will stay somewhat subdued <laughs> as we try to record this. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Father, we just continue to thank you for these days of Lent that we're living in this time of grace, this season to uh, fix our eyes in a more intentional and focused way upon your Son, upon his passion. Uh, to give thanks to you for all that he's accomplished and to be mindful that our own lives are ever more conformed to that same passion. Lord, we pray particularly today for those who are finding themselves uh, with hopes that are shattered, who are in discouragement, depression, intense sadness, that you would help them and us to encounter your son anew and his power, and his love, and his grace, and his mercy. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so so the topic really comes from, actually we were on retreat not too long ago, right, with a, a whole set of priests, and uh, I, I think I said to the guys then, and um, in fact, writing about it this week in the thoughts from the trailer, uh, sharing uh, with folks in that uh, that forum as well, that I'm, I'm kind of partial against the story of Emmaus. I mean, I hope that doesn't sound bad. I don't want St. Luke to beat me up or anything, let alone the Holy Spirit. But I think as a priest, I've heard so many retreats preached about mm-hmm. Emmaus that it just kind of becomes almost cliche, Flat. you know, like, oh, we're going to recognize him in the breaking of the bread and, you know, like whatever. Um, nonetheless, we were going into the retreat and um, out of nowhere, I just felt like the Lord brought that story powerfully back to mind. Uh, but one aspect of it in particular. So just quick re- refresher, right? It's Easter Sunday. Uh, this is the 24th chapter of Luke. So far, um, Jesus has risen, but nobody knows it yet. They haven't met him, uh, except for some women. So the women went to the tomb. Tomb's empty. They encounter Jesus. They run back to the apostles. They don't believe him. They think it's women's idle tales is what they say. And then it shifts from there to this story that is probably like uber familiar to, to most of us. And unfortunately, because it's so familiar, we probably miss so many things or we, we just don't hear the Lord. So two travelers, oftentimes in my mind until set of years ago, I always pictured two men, N.T. Wright, and I think he's right, uh, 
thinks it's actually a couple. Might even be Jesus's uncle and his wife. I find that such an interesting insight, one I'd never thought about. Yeah, we can go there at another time. But anyway, that's just a little seed to drop in the in the middle of the podcast. So these two travelers are walking. They're walking away from Jerusalem, even though they've heard about what happened. They've heard that the women went to the tomb. They found it empty. They've heard that some of the disciples also went to the tomb, came back, found it empty. And yet these two clowns, um, not like the clowns uh, in the in the parade that we just encountered. They're looking in our window right now. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Um, they're walking away from Jerusalem. They right. should have been running to Jerusalem, but they're walking away from Jerusalem. And along comes Jesus. And Jesus starts talking with them and says... Uh, so, but they don't recognize it's Jesus, right? They're prevented from seeing him, the scripture says. So Jesus in this, you know, intentionally playful, provocative way says, uh, so what are you guys talking about? And they look at him downcast, like, are you the only person who doesn't know what happened? What sort of things took place these last few days in Jerusalem? And the Lord says, what things? It, which is just, Typical Jesus, the right? The playfulness of God. And so they begin to share. And so they talk about uh, who the Lord was, what had happened to him. And then there's this, the money line. It says, we had hoped that he would be the one who would redeem Israel. And the reason I'm, to share all this is because as we were going into the retreat, the Lord just kind of brought to mind, this is a word for these men. That line, we had hoped. Because at this retreat were guys who were newly ordained and there were guys who'd been ordained for 60 years, right? And some of them, you know, like when they had entered into seminary, they had hoped that the life in front of them was just going to be grand, huh? And then things have turned out very different. When they were lying on the floor and we got ordained, they had hoped and things are very different. When they, when they got assigned to their first parish, they had hoped and then they ran into their own shortcomings. When, when they were made pastor, they had hoped. But then you usually make tons of mistakes when the first time you're a pastor. When they got to move on to a new place, they had hoped. When a new bishop came, they had hoped. When a new campaign for evangelization had happened, they had hoped. It was like we had hoped, we had hoped, we had hoped. But the situation that we find amongst so many priests is that right now we don't experience a lot of hope in so many brothers. To be sure, like, just to be clear, like a lot of guys are thriving, but, but more guys that we've encountered anyway are not thriving. Are hopeless. Yeah. And I don't know that they're hopeless, but their, their hopes have been shattered, right? I mean, they had one thing in mind about either what ministry was going to look like, what priesthood was going to look like, what the parish was going to look like, what, whatever was going to look like, what diocesan renewal was going to look like. And they found it to be different. And then the Lord gradually begins to speak to them. And as he's speaking to them, um, they are intrigued and they get back to the house in Emmaus and then he breaks the bread, right? And, and, uh, and their eyes are open and he, and he vanishes. And then they run back to Jerusalem to tell others of what they've encountered, of who they've encountered. And as they're going back, they say like, weren't our hearts burning within us as he spoke to us about the word? So this just seems like such a timely word. I mean, we, I think we've, we talked so many times about uh, what's going on in the priesthood but and, and the discouragement that we encounter, that unspoken crisis huh, that we try to right. uh, bring to people's minds so they can pray. 
But goodness knows, you know, it's not like we got a monopoly on discouragement or hope shattered in the priesthood. Um, you, you, you could offer your own litany uh, as, a, as a mom, as a wife, uh, and anybody that sat down in these chairs could offer litany too. But, but, like, right, but, but, but we all go through, right? To, to, be, hum, to be human uh, is to live in this life where we're going to come against sad circumstances, where we're going to be devastated, disappointed, and at times be on the border of losing the reality that God is our hope. Mm. And when all can appear hopeless, that's when we have to turn to the word of God. But um, all of us, I was just even thinking about this conversation as I was driving here today, this doesn't just apply. It applies, applies to all vocations, what, whether it's marriage. I mean, on the day of my wedding, I had hope that. Mm. And as you press into 5, 10, 15, 20 years of marriage, it's not quite what you thought it mm. would be. If we press in and you get to, you know, 30, 35, it's glorious, right? But we all go through seasons, mountains and valleys. We could say the same thing about people who were, have gone back to school to get a, a second or a third degree thinking, I had hoped that when I got my master's or I got my PhD, that I would finally be fulfilled. I had mm. hoped mm. that if I sent my kids to Catholic schools, that they would never leave the faith. Mm. I had hoped when my husband got that promotion, he'd finally be satisfied. I had hoped, I had hoped, like you said, I, I had hoped, I had hoped that the treatment that we underwent, that I underwent, would be the de definitive cure. And that's just, that's just not... It's just the human condition. Yeah, right. right? Hope that the diagnosis was going to come back benign or something, right? Right. I mean, um, all, all of that. But but I'm reminded of the words of uh, St. Paul in Romans. He said, um, he has the remedy for this. He says, may the God of hope mm. fill you with all joy and all peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. We talk often, Father John, about the, the balm that is the word of God, the balm that is, you know, the supernatural grace that flows from the sacraments. But when we are with our brother priests and pouring into them that balm, you know, that, that oil of, uh, that healing oil, that uh, pressing into the good news, it, it is our desire to fill them again, to move them from that place of hopelessness, uh, to hope. That's a message just not for priests. That's a, that's a message for every human person. Let me just say this to, you know, as I'm going on here and I don't mean to, we had hoped at the end of the pandemic, mm. right? <laughs> that things would get back to normal, right? I mean, we could say that and now look at, look at what we're looking at um, in Ukraine and Russia. Um, so Jesus gives us that that eternal hope in our present circumstances. Yeah, you know, always. even as you're going through that litany, you know, what comes to mind, as you mentioned Paul and his words, it, it calls to mind another passage from St. Paul in Philippians, um, Philippians 4, where Paul says, uh, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. A little bit later on, he goes, uh, not that I complain of want, mm. for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. And then this is, for me, this is the money line. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and want. I can do all things in him who strengthens, who strengthens me. me. Right? Oftentimes you see athletes with, you know, Philippians uh, 4.13 around their wrists or, right. you know, it's on an eye patch or something like right. that. And it's like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but they forget the passage that comes before this, right. that Paul's talking about 
sometimes it's really difficult situations, but I've always loved that line. Like I have learned the secret and it's like, Paul, what's the secret? And the secret is to know Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. Yeah. You know, Father John, <clears throat> earlier this morning, you, um, our team might remember, I sent you you all a quote from my beloved friend, St. Francis de Sales. Oh, yeah, sure that. And that's just coming to my mind again as we speak because it so touched my heart this morning when I was praying. St. Francis de Sales says, um, we shall steer safely through every storm so long as our heart is right, our intention fervent, our courage steadfast, and our trust fixed on God. Mm, and love that. Yeah, and, and many times when we go through difficult times, I mean, we hear those closest to us or we have heard our archbishop say, eyes on Jesus. Mm. The storm will abound. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Yeah, you know, I love that. You know, short word this week, but I think it's, it's timely because again, I, this is an Easter story we're sharing, Emmaus, but but Lent is ongoing for all of us. That's you know, right. the cross is ongoing. Right. Life is a battle, uh, not a dream. That's uh, right. And, uh, and some of us right now are maybe um, walking away from Jerusalem or running away from Jerusalem uh, based on the circumstances that are going on in our life, just like the two travelers. Even though they had heard the news, they'd walked away. Maybe some of us have just kind of like, you know what? I'm giving up on the church. I'm just done. I'm giving up. I've seen disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, and yet they still listen to things like this. They still read the scriptures. They still pray. Um, and the Lord wants to say, okay, let me show you some, some instances of people who've done things like that, but don't give up. Right. Don't, don't run away. Don't, don't run back. But that might be where some people are right now. You know, they're, they're just disappointed. Hopes are shattered in that regard. Others of us are, we're, we're walking right now with Jesus in the middle of great pain. We just don't know that he's walking with us. Uh, we, we don't recognize him. I just heard Al Cresta, you know, they just found the, um, I'm blanking on the name of the ship that was found of the, uh, the great explorer, Ernest uh, Shackleton, um, that had been lost, buried underneath the ice for, you know, a hundred years or so. And uh, th this unbelievably like in endurance, that's the name of the ship. Mm. Um, I love the name of the ship. Exploring in the Arctic, you know, mm. and it's got to be the most extraordinary story of all time in the sense of what these people were able to do over the course of two years to survive. And I heard Al today, he was uh, just sharing the story of this guy in his journals. And this is not a devout, like, you know, really serious Christian by any means. But he, he's talking about how there was this one stretch where three of them um, had left the others who were... Um, in dire, dire, dire straits to try to find um, safety, to try to get a rescue crew to come back to get them, to pick them up. And so they sailed 800 miles in a 20-foot boat, raft, oh gosh. got to an island, which was the island where this uh, station was, which they had originally taken off from, but they were on the wrong side of the island. And so they had to climb a mountain that had never been climbed before. So it's three guys. They have no food. They have no water. They have no sleep. They have no shelter. Uh, it takes them 36 hours to climb over the mountain. They finally get to the base, and then uh, everybody is rescued eventually. But in this guy's journal, here's the point. He says, as we were walking, the three of us, I couldn't help but know there was a fourth person with us. And, and several of the men said something similar. Like we knew there was someone else with us. So some of us right now, we're walking with the Lord, 
but we don't know we're walking with them. Maybe it's because we're going through treatment. Maybe it's because we're, we're carrying the cross in, in some other way. But the Lord is with us. We just don't recognize him yet. We're, we're not allowed to see his face. And some of us have seen his face. Some of us have recognized him. Some of us do know that he's risen and he's triumphant. And we are running back to the upper room to tell people uh, who we've met uh, and what we've come to know, that he's alive, that he's Lord, uh, that we don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be afraid. Um, we have to work. We have to act. But we don't have to be afraid. That's right. Huh? That's right. As I'm listening to you talk, share that incredible story, I'm going to have to look that up when I get home. Um, someone told me one time that oftentimes when we're in times of trial and sorrow, like this season of suffering, God is so close to us, we can't make him out. Mm. He's that close to us. Where if you, you know, so think of God as your hand right, right in front of your face. And you, that hand has to be pulled out. And you go, oh, that's my hand. Yeah. Well, that's how close God is to us. Yeah, amen. When one, that we can't make it out, but you sense He's there. Someone is there. Yeah. And I would argue that's the embodiment of hope. Hope is a person. Yeah, that's right. And his name is Jesus Christ. That's right. Amen. Not wishful thinking. Nope. Not optimism. Nope. Um, abs- it's just true. Hebrews describes hope as an anchor. Huh? Anchors are really heavy, um, substantive, sturdy, reliable things, right? Our hope ultimately is only in God, not in man, not in circumstances, only in God that he created me, that he loves me, that he's redeemed me, that he rescued me, and that he gives me grace for every moment. So wherever you are, whether you're running away from Jerusalem right now or whether you're walking with Jesus and you can't see him or whether you're running back, hang in. Ask the Lord to continue to help you to recognize that mysterious presence that's with you, even if you can't perceive him yet. And no matter what, do not be afraid. God is with you, and you were born for this. 